Welcome back to the Legacy Through Motherhood podcast. This is Stephanie, your host. And if you're new here, welcome. I'm so glad that you're here. And in this podcast, we rotate between five main topics, faith, finances, health, marriage, and mindset. And the goal being that we're just working on becoming 1% better every single day in each of those five areas. And I believe that the small, seemingly insignificant things will compound over time and ultimately drive positive generational change. Okay, you guys, so today we have another episode in our Overcomer series, and these stories are of women who have overcome something big in life that could have broken them, but it didn't, and instead they have figured out how to put their feet on solid ground and just do things differently for their children, or they found a way to be a light to others that are just enduring the same thing that they did, and these stories range from emotional abuse to teen mothers to mothers of children with disabilities and everything in between. And these episodes are kind of bonus episodes. So, you know, this one's coming out on a Thursday. And so typically my episodes all come out on Monday, but they're going to be kind of scattered throughout the rest of 2020, because I think that these stories are so powerful in just the story of redemption that is threaded throughout all of them. And so our next guest in this Overcomer series tells her story of growing up in an emotionally stunted home where the only emotion that was comfortable for anyone was anger. And as an adult, she kind of realized that whatever she experienced as a child really kind of started to fall into the realm of emotional trauma, and it still has an impact on her today. And so today, she tells her story. Please welcome Lindsay Burns. All right. Hey, Lindsay. Thanks for coming on the Legacy Through Motherhood podcast. Thank you so much for having me. Yeah. So can you just jump right in? Can you tell us your story of just kind of your childhood into now? I know there's a lot that went into it. Uh, So to set the scene, I grew up on a farm kind of in the middle of nowhere a little bit. And um, we're a family of four kids, both my parents at home. They decided to homeschool us. So we were very much a self-contained unit on this farm. Uh, money was very tight. We did not have a lot of money. We basically lived off the land. So we raised all our own animals for meat, had a giant garden that we had to harvest to save to get us through the winter. Uh, my parents even like went as far as making their own soap from tallow and which is like the, the fat from an animal. So we yeah. were very much this like self-contained family unit. Um, My family was struggling, but my parents did not like to ask for help. So we were just kind of doing our own thing, really. Um, My parents are two of the most hardworking people I know, but things were just not going well. And with the money struggles and the just trying to make ends meet struggles, um, things got a little chaotic. So it it was always living in that state of chaos that we really had no escape from. So it was up bright and early before the sun came up in the morning to go out and do chores and then working hard all day till well beyond what felt like bedtime. Like I remember so many nights of just being exhausted and starting to get to the point of feeling nauseous and all that and trying to just get everything to the point where we could go to sleep at night. Um, So it was just, it was, um, it was just a lot going on at that point. (laughs) And I always just felt I didn't like being homeschooled. I wanted to go out. I wanted to have friends. I didn't like always feeling like the outsider and I just wanted to be normal and fit in. And uh, I begged to go to school for enough years that eventually in grade eight, I did get to go to school. And and that was huge for me as well. Um, 
And then within my family, I was just always kind of the black sheep of the family, which I always said jokingly, but as I got older and did some research into it, I realized that it actually is a real thing. And um, you're kind of treated as the scapegoat of the family. So I was often blamed for things, um, whether it was just things that were going wrong or things my siblings did or or anything like that. I took a lot of the blame. I was also the oldest, so that was part of it too, probably. Um, and there was just a lot of yelling and anger in my family. So there was no, there was no affection. There was no love. There was no any real, well, there was, there was, I can't say there's no love. There was no outward love shown in your traditional way. Um, the only emotion that people was, people were really comfortable with was anger. And there was a lot of yelling and a lot of frustration, um, and just a lack of, of affection in the family. So, Uh, I have two very distinct memories that really kind of explain this. Um, When I was younger, I was very afraid that my parents were going to get divorced, um, which I grew out of that and eventually kind of went the other way where I kind of wished they would for a while. But uh, my solution as a young child was that if I just say I love you to each of them every night, then maybe everything will be okay. So I'd sit in my bed at night and the lights would be off and they'd be saying goodnight and I'd be terrified and I'd get up the courage and I would say like, I love you to each of them. And they would very get very awkward and just kind of say like, oh, yeah, you too, and, oh, and away they would go. Um, mm-hmm. And then again, on my my 18th birthday, I distinctly remember coming down the stairs and my mom giving me a hug. And I just froze like stiff as a board because we did not do anything like that in my family. I looked at my siblings with this bewildered look and um, both those things still ring very true. Like, now that I don't live at home and we see each other a few times a year, we will give an awkward hug and that kind of thing. But it, it's never something that feels comfortable for anybody, I don't think. Um, and it was only till, it was only a few months ago when I really realized that I had that deep, deep ingrained fear of saying I love you. And that was there um, the first time I ever said it to my, my now husband, then boyfriend. Um, I was terrified for like months before I got up the courage to say that. Uh, never yeah. said it to any boyfriend before that. Um, I can say it now to my children and my husband and my sister, but to anybody else, like I just can't. And my mom will text it sometimes, and I haven't been able to say it back yet. Um, yeah. So all those things I still see coming through so clearly. Um, and then it was just a lot of, um, most of my conflict was with my mother. Um, my reality always seemed to be denied by her because she would kind of say anything to be right. And we were often in conflict. Um, I was the only one who had really bothered to stand up to her, which probably everybody else was smart to just not bother. But that wasn't my personality. <laughs> so yeah. um, I stood up to her. My father used to defend me. Uh, and I think eventually it just kind of caused more issues for him. So he stomped, which even at the time I understood why he had to do that, but it just made me that feel extra sad and alone at that point. Um, and I had issues with my dad as well, but it never really felt personal. Like I could see that he was just really struggling to make ends meet. Whereas um, with my mom, it always just felt like it was a really personal attack and I would be told, you know, I, I'm not going to amount to anything. I'm just going to be working at McDonald's, which is no knock on McDonald's. It was just the way they said it as though that was like their worst thing that could happen. Right. Um, keeping in mind that's people working on a struggling farm. So that's where that's coming from. Mm-hmm. Um, and I was just never really given like choice or told my opinion mattered or my voice mattered. Um, it was, it was always pointing out the things that were going wrong and the things that were done wrong. And 
I mean, we were working on the farm day in and day out with very little leisure time. Like if you had a few minutes to yourself, you just didn't make a peep and you hoped those minutes would last and maybe my parents got distracted with something. Um, and that just really, really set the stage for me when I did start going to school and got to be with my friends. And, and, and that was a huge, huge thing for me. Like I'm just meant to be around more people. But I did kind of develop some really maladaptive coping mechanisms for everything going on. Um, so some like self-harm, bulimia type behaviors, that kind of thing, risky behaviors in high school. And just looking back now, I can see how that lack of confidence and trust in myself really left me in a spot where um, I would get myself taken advantage of in, in different ways. Like I just didn't know how to stand up for myself. I didn't know how to believe in my own reality. I always just kind of deferred that someone else must know better. Um, now I kind of counteract that where my guard is so high, like no one could ever do me wrong because I right. I have built those walls. <laughs> but, right, right. But at the time I just wanted to fit in and I just kind of did what I thought was the right thing, which looking back was probably not. Um, and then one of the biggest things for me was when I went to university, I went as far away as I could. And that was honestly one of the best things I've ever done for myself. I think it would have been really easy. Most of my friends were going to a university nearby. It would have been really easy for me to stay with that safety net, but I decided not to. And that has just made a world of difference for me. Um, and yeah, I guess just with, with my story, like because there was never like physical abuse or abandonment, um, I never would have considered it real trauma, but as I'm an adult and digging deeper and having my own kids and, and it making me look at everything th through such a different lens, I'm now coming around to the idea that this um, emotional trauma was real too. And, and having my husband kind of now see the other side of things and, and pointing out to me that certain things aren't exactly normal, that has kind of helped me too. Um, and in my family, like, we just never talk about things right so yeah I've always kept this very private I never really felt like it was my story to tell I would just kind of brush things off like oh yeah my family's complicated and I'm only now getting to the point where I'm realizing that it is also my story and I can choose to share it and, and share it respectfully because it did happen to me and I think being able to talk through it helps me to process it and move past it um, and always with the goal of doing better for my children. So I do think that it's something that I need to do and I just see the impact of it coming through in, in so many aspects of my life. So I know I need to, to do some work there. Oh, absolutely. And I feel like, um, you know, that there's generations prior, right? Like the World War II vets or, you know, back in the back, couple generations, the generation before us and the generation before them, it was a very like, don't ask, don't tell yes, type of feel. And so, you know, feelings were signs of weakness, like, you know, therapy was just taboo. Like there's so much that was just not okay. And so we don't talk about things. It doesn't go outside of the family. Um, mental health had a huge stigma on it, right? When you have that, uh, which emotional abuse I feel like is, is a huge uh, contributor to mental health just in general. Right. But again, you can't see it. So it's almost this like weird, weird thing. But I think it's so important that you are even articulating this, like you said, for your own healing, because the truth is, is that I'm sure that your parents did absolutely the best that they possibly could with what they knew and, you know, who they were and whatever. But for, for whatever reason, 
you know, it just didn't translate well (laughs) or, you know, onto you as a child. And you just needed something different that they weren't able to give. And so, like you were saying, in a just in a respectful way, because there's no blame on them. Of course they loved you. Of course they, you know, did what they thought was best and what they knew. And that that is great and that is good. You know, they did the work they needed to do. But that has now affected you. And this is the conversation that we have so often on intent versus impact. Like their intent was to never hurt you. Um, but the impact is still there. And so the fact that you are articulating this now, along with the culture now, like you know, screaming mental health awareness or just, um, you know, just talking about things, therapy's okay. And all of these different things. Now that we're changing that narrative for our children, I just think it's really powerful. So what do you feel like specifically, um, that you're really looking at as you parent to change? Yes. And I think, um, if I can backtrack for a second to what you said, like you're absolutely right. And my parents are to this day, the two of the hardest working people I know, like it, uh, they worked every single minute of their lives to do the best they could for their family. Like it's, it's no fault to them that way at all. And I'm so appreciative of them. And while I have a lot of things to deal with, I also think that some of my greatest strengths came from the adversity that I faced. Um, sure. So, so absolutely. They, and they always wanted to have kids. They loved kids. It, they were just a victim of their circumstances for, for the most part. And I think, there were maybe some mental health things and and my dad has said some things about that since, but they didn't know, you know, like you said, it was a different time. They didn't know how to ask for help. Neither one wanted to show weakness and ask for help. Whereas maybe if they just reached out a bit and said, you know, we're struggling a little, or if they had a little less pride when someone offered to help, um, it could have been a bit easier that way. But um, yes, I, I love what you said, and I absolutely want to make that clear that I know I know they did the absolute best they could, and they spent every minute, and they still spend every minute doing the absolute best that they can. Um, so sorry, backtracked a little bit there, but yes, to get no, that's to good. your to get back to your that's, question, no, that's good. And I'm actually going to insert something really quickly here yeah. because I feel like it, it, that's also super important. So, um, you know, I I have a course, and one of the one of the lessons it's on money, but it's when money trauma comes from someone that you love, but input anything there, right? When emotional trauma comes from somebody that you love, when, uh, I don't want to say physical, but you know what I mean? Like a lot of times, like the emotional, it could be totally intentional, but if it's not like a lot of times the intent is good, but the impact still is there. And so this is something, um, that we really need to, I don't know, like, I feel like we need to articulate this, that it's okay to say, I like this caused trauma for me and I know you didn't mean it, but it did. And it doesn't even need necessarily, like, do you need to go to your mom? And now listen, if you did, I don't know. I'm just saying in general people, like, do you need to go to your parents and say, you guys have caused me great (laughs) issues with, you know what I Like, no, that conversation doesn't even really need to be had, but you having gone through it, you have to recognize that. And it's hard when we love these people to say like, admit that that has happened. But anyways, I just think it's an important part of healing that we will, because sometimes we don't want, we feel bad. We feel guilty for like even saying that we have endured some kind of emotional abuse or whatever else. We feel guilty even saying that. So then we can't even address it. But in reality, we can still love these people who have caused these things in our lives and, you know, whatever, 
and then move forward with the work that we need to do. So anyways, that's really, that's great. <laughs> you just said that. Okay. You may go on. Okay. Um, yes, absolutely. I agree. And, and whether they would, I wouldn't, I don't need to bring it up with them. I don't think, but whether it would be received or not, I don't think it would be received well. Um, but again, that's not the point. We don't need to go back. It's, it's about me going forward and me doing what I need to do. So, um, so that I can break that cycle. Right. So, Sorry, would you remind me of the original question one more time? It was where, where yeah, I'm yeah. going forward, so, correct? Yes. Yeah, so what? Okay. Um, so with your kids, so what specifically do you feel like experiencing the childhood that you experienced and now having your own children, what do you feel like you're really, really trying to hone in on Absolutely. as you parent them? Thank you. Yes. Uh, and this is my husband and I try to be so intentional with how we're parenting our boys and taking a mix of my own experience and his experience, his experience growing up was extremely the opposite. Um, but as we're actually getting, we're about three years into this parenting journey now, we're realizing that um, we need to meet somewhere in the middle with both of those. So for us, there's a few specific things that we try to be really intentional with the boys. Um, and one of those things is validating their own experience uh, as their own, even if it didn't match mine. So to give you an example, my three-year-old's in a bit of a phase now where he, he does take things very personally. And if he's in a bit of a mood, especially so, so he was knocking on the door to come in last night and I oh, go greet him and open the door and I close the door behind him. And, and he's upset with me because um, he's telling me I, I hit his hand with the door, which in, in my mind, I, I was happy to see him. I opened the door, I let him in. In, in his mind, um, his little baby finger got hurt on the door. So Right. Whether that was my intent or, or not, my intent was good, but it's validating his own ex own experience. So I said, oh my gosh, I'm so sorry that I got your finger. Like, are you okay? All that kind of stuff. Because um, in his mind, that's, that's what happened. That was his experience. And I want to make sure that he can trust himself and trust his own experiences going forward. So it's kind of taking my ego out of it. I could have easily been defensive because of course my intent was not to hurt him, but uh, the validation part is more important than the ego part there. Or even saying like, buddy, that did not hurt. Yes, exactly. <laughs> like, that kind of, you know what I mean? Yes. Like if you barely touch his finger, like, buddy, that did not hurt. Yes. And he's like, no, it does hurt. <laughs> well, okay, then fine. It freaking hurts then. <laughs> yes, it's biting my tongue on a few things. Absolutely. <laughs> um, and then another big one for me in particularly is allowing space for all the emotions and not just anger. Um, and similar again, it's, it's, not just saying like, oh, yeah, you're fine, get over it, right? It's really making sure that you're acknowledging, oh, you're feeling sad, naming why they're feeling sad, helping them to know that it is okay to feel all these emotions. Um, that's just a part of the human existence. We don't need to reduce that to just anger because that's a comfortable emotion. Um, and that's something with me I'm still working on for myself. I do still default a little bit to that. Um, but I can see with my children the importance of making sure I'm validating whatever emotion it is, sitting with them, you know, showing them that they're not going to be rejected because they're having a bad day or a sad day or that kind of thing. And, and just kind of holding space for them where they are in the day. Mm -hmm. um, and then building confidence and self-awareness and this is something that both my husband and I feel like we did not have uh, confidence instilled in us too much as children for different reasons and we really want to build build that and just a level of self-awareness with them so a lot of that looks like just just letting them do 
what they want to do, like trying things, learning things, falling down. Um, we always tell them, and my husband in particular, like there's no such thing as can't. We, we don't say can't here. We're going to try and we're going to work hard and we'll learn how to do it. Um, and really putting that focus on the hard work and, and building their confidence that way, where if they work hard, then they can achieve it. Um, and just giving them as much responsibility as they can. So not in the sense of like they have so many responsibilities, they're not allowed to be children, but just letting them have those things that, that make them feel important and capable. So whether it's as small as, you know, bringing your own plate over to the dishwasher after you eat, or my son's really proud now, he can get into the bathtub and wash himself and rinse and get out dried and in his pajamas. So he's kind of strung together that huge sequence yeah, now awesome. and he's he is so proud of it and for me when I'm also bathing the baby like that's huge for me too so we all win <laughs> yeah uh, just just those little things that I hope will then translate into confidence uh, as he grows up too and then similar to that uh, allowing choice so that they can learn decision making and I hope part of that then will again build a bit of that self-trust and self-confidence so from the very start, we've offered as many choices as we can or as many choices as makes makes sense for them, whether it's letting him pick the kind of meat we're making for dinner at night uh, or today when it was time, we were at a park and it was time to leave and I gave him the choice of would you like to kick the ball two more times or would you like to leave now and all those kind of things that just allow him to make a choice that's that's small and doesn't have a big impact on the overall family workings of that day, but that lets him feel empowered and in control. Um, and I do have two kids. I'm just talking about the oldest one more so because the youngest is only nine months, so he can only make so many choices for himself. Right. <laughs> but he will be included in that as well. Um, and then another thing we're trying to do is really work on not placing any labels or assumptions on them, like to never tell them that they are something uh, especially not something bad. Uh, and again, to give an example that's kind of present in my mind for myself lately, I was always told that I was a slow runner. I was just told, you know, after every soccer game, you know, you look like you're trying, but you're really slow. You're a slow runner. And I always had that in my head and I would run and I would, you know, you know, I'm like, oh, I'm a slow runner. That's fine. I'm slow. Like, it's just good that I'm getting out there. And then in this past year, I've actually started to push myself and I'm actually realizing like, hey, I'm breaking a lot of PRs here. Like I, I can run fast now. My whole life, I, I believed I couldn't. And I never mm -hmm. pushed back on that, right? So it, that's such a small thing. And we have so many more beliefs placed on us, whether it's even just different um, based on gender norms or, or anything like that. Just trying to be really careful that we're not labeling them or if we are, it's at least something positive. So my son likes to give a lot of instructions and directions. So, you know, I'm never going to be the parent who's calling him bossy, right? Because I'm not going to take the, that what could be great leadership skills and reduce that to something negative like you're bossy. Right. Um, so, yeah, just just letting them grow and be who they're going to grow and be and hopefully providing a rich environment for them where they can choose and decide and where they can play up their strengths and where they know that they have strengths. Like I grew up never thinking I had a single strength. So then when it's time to choose a career or, or, or anything like that, it's really hard to know where you're going to go and where you're going to, what you're going to be good at. Right. 
Um, right. I feel like that's just so it's so the just everything that the things that you just listed, the validating their own experience, allowing space for all the emotions, not just anger. And that's important and not and not also just happy, sad, mad, you know, like what is like jealousy you're feeling, yeah. you know, whatever, like even the more intricate emotions are really important because you deal with being sad different than you deal with or mad different than you deal with being jealous. And so giving the our kids those words. Uh, you can just start to create a lot of coping mechanisms for how they're fe- like, so that they can a name how they're feeling and then b how to deal with it, and then just building the self confidence through the you know not saying the word can't. So we're really working on that with my kids also. Um, and if it does come out, we've added like the yet right, yes. like I'm not <laughs> able to do this yet. Or, you know, my son will be like, gosh, I don't know how to do this. I'm like, yet. <laughs> don't know how to do it yet. <laughs> you know, like that's just such an easy word, but it's it's so true. And so, you know, so much of what we say and whatever is going to be what they think of themselves and all of this stuff. So I feel like the fact that you have articulated these specific things that you are doing with your children are is just really powerful because – you know, someone who, they, A, they're they're important for everybody, but somebody who maybe didn't have your experience as a child may not even realize how important yeah, these really are. They don't see do the impact. I mean? Absolutely. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. And so do you feel like, um, so you were saying, you know, in your home, there wasn't a ton of like lovey-dovey physical touch or whatever else. So is that something that you're like trying? Obviously, there's pendulum, right? Yeah. <laughs> so do you feel like that's difficult for you or do you feel like um, it's easier now with your own children? It's easy for me right now to show my children love. Absolutely. Um, I'm still working sometimes on um, like my husband and I just get we get busy, right? Like we have busy lives, we get going and we'll have a discussion sometimes and say like, we need to make sure that we're doing a better job of modeling for them what a healthy relationship looks like in the home. And that it can be more than just that kind of transactional partnership, like we've got to get all this stuff done. Um, and making sure we're being intentional about showing that side as well. Um, so yeah, it is with my own boys, like it is so easy right now to show them love in so many different ways. But I do have the fear in the back of my mind that as they get bigger, and those dynamics change, and I can't just or they don't want me to just pick them up and wrap them in a hug and all that. Will I be able to communicate that love to them clearly? Or will I start to fall back into bad patterns, if if that makes sense. So I definitely, I definitely think of that and think of how I'm going to be intentional with that as they grow up. But I always just have have the one day at a time mentality. So if I can show them I love them today, then I can show them I love them tomorrow. And I'll just build day by day um, and, and just keep that going. And for me, the biggest thing is uh, I just want them to know that they – I want to build that trust where if something ever goes wrong and they know they're they're in trouble, that they can come and tell me and I won't get mad and I'll help them. So for me, it's really making sure that – the loving relationship part is in the forefront. And obviously there will be some behavior correction along the way, but I need them to know. So right now my three-year-old can get a little rough at the baby sometimes. And it's, it's a great practice time though, for him being honest and telling me what happened. And then we work together to fix the problem versus him being too afraid to tell me because he thinks he's just going to get in trouble. 
Um, and of course, like they they will be held accountable for their actions always, whether it's something small now or something bigger when they're older. But I need them to know that they can come to me, and that's something with my own family. I never, I was so afraid of my parents. Like I hid everything from them, and if my kids hide like half the stuff I did from me, then I'm going to <laughs> like it will be stressful, right? So I just need to know that I know what's going on in their lives, and for me, the biggest thing then is building that loving, trusting relationship. Yep. And I think what you were saying about, you know, (laughs) all kids for the most part, you know, especially what three and under, they all want the hugs and the picking up and the sitting on your lap and all of that kind of stuff. But yes, as they grow, just as we grow, like my love languages have changed over the years, you know, Um, and kids have love languages. Like, oh my gosh, my, my four-year-old is physical touch all day long. Oh my gosh. I'm like, he just want we do squeeze hugs. He is just like petting me all the time in my lap. Like I couldn't squeeze him hard enough. I wanted to, my oldest isn't like that. He's a words of affirmation type person, you know? And there's just, you know, my second is quite like, they're all so different. Um, and so just to be really intentional with like knowing <laughs> what your kids are and we're not going to be perfect period. Yes. Right. And like you were saying, (laughs) we just want the good to overshine to where they're like, I had a good childhood. I have my own work to do. I'm almost perfect. You know, I mean, yesterday, our, was it yesterday? Yesterday or the day before I went into a freaking rage because I'm like, okay. I, and I like banned screen time for like a week because I'm like, (laughs) geez, every time I freaking ask anyone to get off screens, you know, it's this whole ordeal. So like, so dramatic. I'm like, we're freaking done. Anyways, they're probably gonna be like, yeah, mom went crazy every once in a while and freaking told us we couldn't do anything. But for sure. And for I the joke, most part. Yeah. <laughs> I joke good. with my husband too. I'm like, we're going to mess them up in our own special way by being too intentional, right? Like they're going to say, well, my parents could never just chill out about this, right? And, right? and it's tricky too because I find it's hard to balance now where I don't want them to experience the same hardship. I, I do want to have that loving, closer relationship with them. But I also know that... I want to prepare them for life, right? I don't want them to have a life where everything is given to them and they have such an easy childhood Um, that won't prepare them at all. That's not doing them any favors. Um, And a lot of what I consider to be my strengths came out of the fact that I faced that adversity as a child. And my husband often says how he wishes his parents had let him have some adversity so that he was better equipped. So to find how to strike that balance, it's tricky, I find. And I have to constantly remind myself to be intentional with that too. And we do, we are fortunate that we have more resources right now to provide for them. So, you know, at birthdays, it's like, oh, what was the thing I always wanted I could never get? And I don't know that that is necessarily, you know, we might end up over correcting if we go that way too far too. So it's just kind of reeling ourselves back in and making sure again that they're they're supported but it's it doesn't have to be easy oh sure and i actually did an episode i don't even know what the heck number it is it's with rachel bailey okay she is um it's called your parenting long game and she actually has a podcast called your parenting long game she's a like a parenting specialist she was on and we talked specifically about um, discipline versus punishment for your children. And she addresses this exact thing this entire episode because it's like, well, you need to give your kid a punishment because or whatever, like punishment is basically meant to help to have your kid feel worse because of something they have done. They hit their brother. So then they have to go to their room because you're trying to make them feel bad enough that they've hit their brother that they don't ever do it again. Well, the problem is their children and their 
frontal lobe is not mm-hmm. formed. And you know what I mean? They're, yes. they're not going into their room thinking, oh, man, I feel really bad right now. Like, I need to not ever do that again. What they're thinking is, I hate everyone and everyone hates me and this is the worst, and yeah. you know, whatever. <laughs> um, and so there's a way to handle that situation with discipline. Um, anyways, that whole episode is about the balance and but in kind of the dance between the two. And typically, again, with this conversation of generational, generations before us grew up on punishment, you know, give that kid a spanking. This kid needs that. Like my grandma would always say, that kid is asking for a spanking, you need to give him one. <laughs> you know, like yeah. and now we've just learned so much more. Anyways, she would be a great resource, I think, for you, um, and for anyone who's listening who it's again, her, her, I don't know what her website is. It might be the same. It might be rachelbailey.com. Uh, I will link it in the show notes, but it is all about your parenting long game. And she talks about all of this kind of stuff. So you might be interested in that just in general. Definitely. Thank you. Yeah. I, I love all that. And I think I saw something the other day and they were talking about how with discipline, like the, the root word of discipline is to teach, right? We we're trying to teach moving forward. We're not trying to punish moving backwards in a sense. So Right. Uh, Yes, it sounds fascinating. There's that like that learning opportunity, typically when you punishment, unless it's like this fight or flight, you know, and, and it doesn't really uh, cultivate thinking for themselves. It's just this like scared, like, okay, well, I don't want to get spanked, or I don't want to go to my room, or I don't want to lose this privilege. So I'm this is how you act. And she talks a lot about like in the moment parenting and how that's not very effective because we're psycho people in the moment, you know? Yes. <laughs> oh, yeah. Just, anyways, lots of different skills. So, okay. So, Lindsay, what is out of all of the things that you kind of listed, what is the one thing, I guess, and you kind of already talked about this, but just to wrap this episode up, what is kind of the one thing when you look back at your childhood and um, you're looking forward. I know you said that you really want your kids just to know that they are loved um, and that they can come to you. Is there anything else that you feel like is the big thing? Like if you did nothing else right, if you were able to do this, this would be amazing. Yes, that for sure. And then the confidence piece. If they can grow up to be self-confident and I just think that will open up the world to them so much more. Uh, just in terms of, of how they experience even relationships with someone else. If you're confident in yourself, you're able to build stronger relationships. If you're more confident in yourself, you're able to make career choices that are going to better suit you and your strengths. If you're self-confident in yourself, you're going to spend you know, less time in self-pity or, or less time in comparison games and, and all those kind of negative things that are part of the human experience, but that don't have to be such a big part if you do have that level of confidence. Yep. I love that. And just even the self-awareness, like you were talking about too, like, oh my gosh, how many people are not, first of all, I'll be the first to admit, I am I am not great at self-awareness <laughs> naturally. That's I'm a three on the Enneagram. I don't know if you follow that. Yes. But oh, yes. <laughs> typically, we are not very self-aware. Uh, I'm working on it. But yes, just that that self-confidence and that being self-aware and being able to just critically think, good Lord. Um, you know, so I love that. All right, girl. Well, thank you so much for coming on and telling your story. Um, and where can people follow you on social media and wherever else? Absolutely. And thank you so much for having me. It's been amazing to talk to you. Uh, I'm most active on Instagram um, and that's at Life Changing Lens or you can find me at Life Changing Lens 
uh, on Facebook or my website as well is Life Changing Lynn. So, so basically on all the platforms. <laughs> yeah, that's easy. I wish yeah. mine was like that. But <laughs> mine did not turn out like that. All right, girl. Well, thank you so much for coming on. Thank you. Take care. Okay. <laughs> what a powerful story of just redemption. And I love this conversation because emotions are hard, right? Like emotions are kind of like mental health where they're kind of under the surface. So sometimes they don't scream as loud outwardly as other things do. And this is hard work. And there's actually a lesson in my money mindset course entrusted that's titled when money trauma comes from someone you love. And it talks about why it's so hard to really come face to face with that. And so acknowledging these people in our lives, typically a parent, that their actions and choices had a negative impact on us, even if there wasn't even malintent, right? Like they never meant to hurt us, but it doesn't really matter because the impact is still there. And the same goes for Lindsay, but with emotional trauma coming from someone that she loved. Okay, you guys, I hope that you enjoyed this episode of our Overcomer series and that it reminded you that it is okay and it is healthy to address the things that you experienced as a child that has impacted you as an adult. It does not mean that you need to go to a specific person and let them know exactly how they've impacted you. You know, it's really just for your healing or my healing. And sometimes a conversation might be needed, sure. But most of the time, like in this situation, they were just doing the best they could. And it just had ramification that Lindsay needed to work through later. So you guys, there's going to be more of these types of conversations to come to close out 2020. And I look forward to continue walking with you and helping you find your grit while completely covering you in grace.